Hello, this is your boy Ocho, and welcome to the Health and Swell Podcast. I'm currently standing on my grass in my backyard, barefoot, because it's really good for you. It's really good to detox, actually, which is what we get into in today's episode with uh, my buddy Matt from Biohacking Kairos, really smart dude. We spoke about the ketogenic diet, we spoke about nutrition, and we spoke about something really interesting called cellular detox. I'm not going to get too into it right now. You're going to have to listen to this episode to hear more. Matt's a great guy. Hope you enjoy it. Hey Matt, man, what's going on, brother? What's up? How you doing, Justin? I'm not not bad, man. Like, dude, I, you know what's crazy? I don't know if you were gonna go to the second ever. Um, uh, well, now I'm forgetting the name of it. Uh, White Oak Chella, but that was supposed to be happening like last week, and it's just crazy to me because like I um, I came back to Canada once, like the lockdown started and everything, you know, just in case and. I was in California, like I was like in San Diego, I was hanging out with like Paul and stuff and everything. And all of a sudden it was just kind of like, oh, you have to go back home now. I'm just like, what? And it really just hit me that I was only planning on coming back to Montreal in Canada, like last week. And now it's just kind of like, damn, like the world's changed. So I guess my first question is, yeah. how, how, how's everything where you're at, man? Like you doing all right? Like everything's good? Yeah, we're doing well. Um, like you, yeah, we were planning on going to White Oak Cella too, for sure. Oh, damn. We had our tickets bought. We, w- we wanted to be there. So hopefully whenever they reschedule it, we'll be able to make it that time. Yeah. I mean, it was, oh. a, it was a great experience the first time. So definitely looking forward to it. Dude, it was so cool. Like, uh, for anyone listening that doesn't know, White, uh, White Oak Pastures is this really cool regenerative agriculture farm in um, Bluffton, Georgia, which is basically like, where that's what the farm is it's in Bluffton that's all that's pretty much there but it's really cool um so yeah man I mean like this corona shit is it's uh, as bad as this is man I really feel like when this is all said and done we're going to grow and I think we could talk about some of that stuff in terms of like in health and nutrition because I feel like this is this could be a wake-up call for a lot of people yeah I agree I mean there's definitely people realizing how important it is to take care of their health now during this time. Um, Everyone being, being home and thinking a little bit more about what they're eating and how they're exercising and how that could play a role in making and building a stronger immune system. Right. Man, like I'll, I'll get into that too. I wish mainstream media would be talking about that role, but um, let's just start with, with you um, and your story. So you, you and, um, your fiance now, by the way, right? Yes. Yeah, congratulations. Thank um, you so much. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so you guys are known as the Keto, or now you're not the Keto Kairos. You used to be the Keto Kairos. Now you're Kyro, Biohacking Kairos? Yeah, that's correct. That, yep. Okay. 
So, so yeah, tell us a bit about, well, you can talk about yourself, you can talk about uh, Anna, talk about your story. How did you guys get into the whole ketogenic nutrition, like, realm of things? Yeah, so um, a few years ago, we started getting interested in nutrition, and I guess the big hype at the time in the media was, like, vegan diet and plant-based, so, you know, we, we did that for a period of time, and our health just suffered a lot, so. yeah. We, uh, you know, started dealing with like joint pain and headaches, fatigue, anxiety, some like nerve pain, which later I found out was related to like some heavy metal toxicity, um, which we'll get into that later. Um, Y'all do. Yeah, definitely. I'm very interested. But yeah, I guess so then we just realized something needed to change because we weren't feeling well, right? So um, then I guess the book we read was Fat for Fuel by Dr. Mercola. that really got us interested in ketogenic diet and once we looked a little bit more into it we just you know it makes sense we learned a lot about it and when we started eating more you know animal foods more nutrient dense foods and higher fat lower carb we just started feeling way better and our health improved a lot but yeah yeah i have a similar story Dude, I have a similar story. Like, I I guess I'm more carnivore. I don't know what you want to call my diet now. But, yeah, like. Carnivore-ish. I went vegetarian, too. And actually, like, I don't know if this is correlated, but that's when I had my hemorrhagic stroke and all my brain issues started coming up. And the more research I've done on that, actually, it's looking like that also has some correlation with, like, the gut and, like, leaky gut. And I have Crohn's disease, too. So I don't know what happened with me, man. But once I went vegetarian or, like, pretty much plant-based, like the first month I lost a lot of weight and then it just, everything started deteriorating. And I think it's very interesting. Um, so most people know, but it, for anyone not listening, can you ex- like briefly explain what a ketogenic diet is? Yeah, sure. So uh, ketogenic or a state of ketosis is just when your body is utilizing fat to make energy and you produce ketone bodies so certain cells in your body can use fat to make energy but your brain requires um, some supply of glucose and some supply of these ketone bodies which are made from metabolizing fat so uh, you naturally shift into this state after you know short periods of fasting or a lack of carbohydrates in the diet right so The goal with um, the ketogenic diet is to uh, push your body into using fat for fuel instead of glucose and carbohydrates. So it's achieved through like, you know, through a combination of some fasting and increasing like fats and decreasing carbs in your diet. Um, Do you know the, I, I don't think there's a specific, but I feel like there's like, is there an exact amount of fasting hours that you could do to like, get into some sort of ketosis is it like Uh, the 16 hours they say or does it have to be longer um i've heard that it i think you you'll start producing some ketones after around like 16 hours like a small amount you know like um a low 0.3.4 millimolar um and then once you get into like 24 hours you'll probably pass over like the 0.5 millimolar which is really what people say like is nutritional ketosis right um so yeah 
we can talk about that real quick too. Um, when keeps like the ketogenic diet was first like discovered, it was to help. It was like a medical intervention with uh, epileptic kids, right? Right. Where they ate an insanely low amount of protein and it's a really high amount of fat. Um, mm. So, is that the ketogenic diet that you would practice, or do you like? Is there? A, it, I feel like there's a difference between dietary ketosis and this old medical um, intervention. So, what what what's the big difference with that? Like, I, I've seen the evolution of the keto diet throughout the last few years, and I find it fascinating. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Um, when the diet started out, they were their goal was really to boost ketone levels to really high levels because it had some anti-inflammatory effects and helped prevent the seizures. Um, so right, they had very low protein, very high fat. But um, people today are realizing that they can get benefits of just being in low level ketosis, which is small mm -hmm. amounts of ketones. And um, you know, protein is a super important building block for our body and also very nutrient dense, right? All the yeah. meat, fish and eggs contain a lot of protein, but all these other nutrients. So people started realizing they can consume more protein and still a good amount of healthy fats and keep right. the carbs low and they'll still stay in like low level ketosis. And most yeah. people feel better doing it that way. Yeah, it seems that way, man. And then like, like when I, when I, I like how I got to Carter, I was on keto for a while too. And that's how I, you know, help fix a lot of my metabolic dysfunction i guess but what what's what it seems like is like it used to be like very very common to like they'd say moderate levels of protein moderate levels of protein so i mean i guess you kind of answered it but is it required to have moderate levels of protein or could you have like a 40 percent of your macros coming from poor protein or even like 50 percent of your macros coming to protein as long as you keep the carbohydrates low and the fat relatively high or do you still need to like have, let's say, 70% fat, 30% protein type thing? No, um, I think a lot of people now, like especially Dr. Paul Saladino, uh, yeah. will say you can, you can have pretty good amount of protein um, and you'll still stay in a state of ketosis. But I liked how he explained in his, in his new book, The Carnivore Code, he said to right. think of think of protein more so as like a building block for your body and then fat or carbs as the energy sources. And I think right. when you get up to around 40% of your calories coming from protein, going above that doesn't give you much benefit. Um, you'd be better off consuming more fat as your energy source because it uh, burns right. cleaner. Like using protein as energy takes a little more work. You have to convert it into glucose and then make energy from it. Right. So, so yeah, you can so have that's a pretty good amount of protein. Yeah. So that's called gluconeogenesis. And I think a lot of people, when they used to talk about keto, they'd be like, Oh, you got to keep moderate levels down so that you don't like get too much glucose in your system. But from my understanding and correct me if I'm wrong, um, for me, I think the main reason why when it comes to fat loss that keto really, really works is because it's just allowing people to utilize fat as fuel so they can utilize their own fat as fuel. And the whole point about eating ketosis isn't what's really causing the weight loss. It's the fact that even when they are eating protein or even when they are eating that, like they're able to utilize fat as fuel. And the gluconeogenesis part like doesn't really matter. And I think – and 
I don't know if you agree with this, but I think a lot of like the people who are trying to make a lot of money off the keto diet rather than just, you know, trying to talk about the nutritional benefits. I think they really wanted to emphasize like the ketosis part of it because then they could sell like, you know, the ketone strips and all that. Um, so I found that really interesting. I don't know if you want to comment. Yeah, so uh, gluconeogenesis is an interesting topic. Um, I agree. I think it's more demand driven. So you're not just going to start converting all your protein into glucose, you know, as long as, um, you know, you have enough fat to be making energy from. Um, right. You're going to more so use it as a building block, you know, build your muscle, build hormones and other things in your body. Um, but you you do need gluconeogenesis, right? Like that's an important right. natural process in your body because your your brain always needs a small supply of glucose, but you don't need to right. be eating sugar to get that. You can your body naturally will make some glucose from the protein you eat, and that's you know your body's smart, so it'll make the amount that it needs to uh, you know fuel your brain. Right, and like you know you could say this too, but isn't it? Like carbohydrate is not a, an essential macronutrient, from my understanding. Like we don't need any carbohydrates because of what you just said, we can create it. Like our body's smart enough to do that. Yeah, we have we have essential amino acids, meaning you have to obtain them from food, and we have essential fatty acids um, because they're so important for our you know biochemistry. But there's no essential carbohydrates. Right. So then what do you, what would you say to like, you know, like the whole bro, bro sciencey bodybuilder old thing where it's like you need to have the carbohydrates in order to shuttle insulin into your muscles. But from my understanding, like a couple studies I've seen, there's no difference between like ketogenic diets and high carb diets in terms of gaining muscle. And if anything, there might even be better athletic performance from my understanding from a ketogenic diet. Yeah. Um, something to keep in mind that I've heard with a lot of studies done on ketogenic diet and uh, physical performance, like exercise. Important thing to keep in mind is that the ketogenic diet requires a little adaptation period, right? right. So the this, this study has to be done for a long enough time for people to really have the metabolic machinery to efficiently use fat for fuel. And people who go through this adaptation period will be very successful with athletic performance. Their body's working well, but if they don't give people enough time to adapt, then it shows like a decrease in athletic performance. Right. Something to keep I, in mind, but also to go back to your, uh, you know, building muscle and people saying you need carbohydrates for that. Um, so you do need, an insulin release to, to build muscle. The insulin is an anabolic hormone, right? So it's important for growth. Um, but you do not need carbohydrates to stimulate insulin. You'll get an insulin release from just consuming protein. Right. That's enough of a um, signal to your body to build. I'm trying to gain a little muscle. So I'm like eating in like a calorie surplus, I guess you can say. And I got to be honest, dude, like I was going to do this for a couple of months and I'm about three weeks into doing it this way. Dude, I'm not doing this over a month because it's hard to eat, you know, eat the cat like so much like this. Like I'm trying to like basically I'm eating the same. I up my protein a bit and I'm eating like, you know, I, I got some raw honey and stuff like that to get more calories. And then I'll put butter in, let's say, like some stuff to get the calories. And man, I don't feel good. I can be honest. Like I want to eat 
either in a deficit or in a maintenance. So um, we were talking about this before we started this recording, but one thing that's always perplexed me, I guess you can say, is for the longest time, we've been saying calories in equals calories out. But now you see with ketogenic diets and carnivore diets, let's say, it seems like people are eating what would seem to be like a way higher amount of calories and like in calorie surplus and they're losing weight or staying the same. And then you see people that go on, let's say like the biggest loser, right? Like I'm sure you're familiar with Dr. Fung's work and all that. Like it seems this whole idea about calories in calories out doesn't matter on keto or like, I don't really know what the case is with that. What's so like, what's your thoughts on all that? Yeah, so this is a very interesting topic. I, I made some notes on this one because I thought it was so yeah, cool. I love it. Um, so calories in, calories out, are all calories the same? You know, this, is, this has been being talked about a lot. So I have a few different little areas to explore to demonstrate why all calories are not the same and how it's not the only part of the equation when it comes to weight loss or weight gain. Right. All right. So, uh, number one, I've heard people talk about type one diabetes. So obviously this is a condition where, uh, people's, their pancreas, the beta cells can't produce insulin and people with this condition can eat, you know, 10,000 calories a day and still be losing weight. And how, how could that happen? Well, it's because their insulin isn't working and they can't store fat. So that's just a little to show that clearly there's, you know, a hormone component to this weight. I never thought of it that way. That's so true. No one ever said it. No one ever brings that up, but that's so true. Like that's anyway, sorry, continue. Yeah. So that's, that's a interesting thing to just keep in mind. There's clearly something more to this uh, whole calories in calories out thing. All right. Another really interesting topic. Um, cows being fed antibiotics. So I have a little quote here. Today, 75% of the antibiotics manufactured in the U.S. are fed to cattle for precisely this reason. It fattens them up for slaughter and enables farmers to save money on feed. Antibiotics cause animals to gain fat even when they consume the same amount of calories as other animals. So uh, clearly there's um, something going on with our microbiome if antibiotics are affecting our microbiome and allowing animals to gain weight eating less calories. So it's not all about calories, right? There's something else going on here as well. Right. Um, another good reason to avoid conventionally raised meat is you don't really want to be eating antibiotic from your food source. Right. You know, you go for grass-fed regenerative meat like you know like we were eating at white oak oh god and dude i still have like awesome dreams about the food there which is so good oh that's great Mm. yeah i think yeah continue next next thing to look at um artificial sweeteners so there are tons of studies showing diet soda to cause weight gain you know artificial sweeteners like aspartame even though they're technically calorie free, they're contributing to, to weight gain in these people. Crazy. Drink a lot of diet soda. So 
again, not, not only calories is important. Um, let's see, next we have how your timing of your food matters too. So um, this section is from a book written by Dr. Sachin Panda. Um, he studies time-restricted eating and circadian okay. biology. Um, the book is called The Circadian Code. So he did a, an experiment with mice where he has two groups of mice eating an unhealthy diet. So they're eating a diet high in fat and high in sugar that's been shown in tons of studies to cause severe metabolic disease in the mice. Okay. So one group of mice can eat their food all day long. They had access to their food 24 seven. And the other group had to eat all of their food within an eight hour eating window. And he found that even though they were eating the same number of calories of this junk food, the time restricted eating mice were free from disease and remained a healthy weight. Wow. So this is a pretty amazing discovery. Like that is amazing. They're wow. eating the same same amount of calories, same food, and just eating it in that shorter window allowed them to have normal blood sugar levels, cholesterol levels, and remain a normal healthy weight. Unlike so, do you think that has to do with the fact that they uh, were in ketosis because of the fasting, I guess you could say? Like, is that what the this study is trying to like show maybe? Well, we don't know for sure how um, they were remaining healthy, but I think that the uh, the fasting period allowed them to definitely uh, enter into a little bit of ketosis and use their own body fat for making energy. But I think it also gets a little bit into the idea of autophagy, right? So they had a period right. of time where their body was kind of cleaning itself, like you doing the self-eating, self-cleaning, maintenance repair work. Right. So, yeah, I, I mean, I guess, like, you kind of just explained it, but what is autophagy? Like, it's cellular, like, recycling, kind of? Exactly, yeah. It's, it's like our body um, cleaning itself. It's like eating up the bad, damaged cells and organelles, and then, and then when we enter into a state of growth, we can replace all those damaged cells that were cleared away. So I think that was definitely part of this. Like they had a period of time where they were being fed and they were in a growth phase and then a period of time where they were in like the cleanup and renewal phase. That's interesting, man. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's fascinating. Like when I started carnivore, dude, like I, it's like, man, there'd be days where I'd get, like, a whole block of, like, raw cheese, right? And I, that would be, like, one meal. And then I'd be, like, man, I just ate, like, over a thousand calories in this block of cheese. And I was losing weight. And I was just, like, yeah, I'm only eating two times a day. And I'm practicing intermittent fasting and all that. So maybe I wasn't actually eating as many calories as I thought. But I could have sworn, man, like, I was eating, like, man, over 4,000 calories a day in my mind anyway. And it was, like... I was losing weight and it, I mean, my activity levels, like I'm pretty active, but I'm not like training to be like a bodybuilder or anything like that. I'm not working out seven days a week. And it's just like, I don't know, man. Like you see, I'm the biggest loser. Like I think the people that gain weight back is like in the 80 percentile or something like that. 
Like, come on. Like, I don't know, man. I, I'm with you on this, brother. Like, there's just so much information out there, and there's just so much anecdotal evidence. Yep. Saying that, like, this whole calories in, calories out thing is, like, like the sm- I guess in, in a fifth, like, a fifth straight physics sense, yes, calories in, calories out. That that's like what it what it is, but yeah, man. I mean, there's just so much out there to suggest that like there's so much more to it than just that. Exactly. Yeah, you're you're not alone. There's so many people that will say they've been eating more calories and maintaining weight or losing weight, but it's the calories where they're coming from matter, right? People. Yeah. There are just a lot of anecdotal evidence of people consuming more you know, butter and MCT oil and fat yeah. and, and uh, still, still losing weight. And yeah, I mean, nobody's saying that calories don't matter at all. Like yeah. if you want to lose weight, creating a little bit of a deficit will help you lose weight. But there's so much more to the equation than that, right? There's yeah. like your, your gut microbiome, how your insulin's functioning, what you're eating, where those calories are coming from. So one last uh study that I saw about calories. This was a pretty recent study that showed, basically they wanted to show that where your calories come from matter. So they had a group that were eating high fat, low carb, and a group that ate, you know, low carb, high fat, and then a group in the middle, like moderate carb. Mm -hmm. And what they were able to show by studying these people for for a whole year um, that the people who were eating the high fat low carb diet their total energy expenditure was about 250 calories a day greater than the low fat um, and high carb group so wow so they were um they were showing that where the calories came from, like changed the participants' metabolism, right? Changed their metabolic wow. rate. So people who are eating more fat were actually using more energy and burning more calories throughout the day. So that was that was an interesting interesting finding that um, that's crazy. You know, some people were talking about last year, but didn't really gain too much, you know, public awareness. Um, did you hear about, apparently I saw this on like Dr. Garth Davis's, like he was bragging about it. Apparently there was a study that just came out where it was like a controlled trial where they had people on a high carb, high carb, plant-based diet and a low, low fat, uh, low carb, like ketogenic diet type thing. I don't know if, did you hear about that? Like I, I don't know what Garth Davis was talking about. But then I saw Sean, Baker. Um, Sean Baker was talking about it too. And they were both saying, this is good. For their respective sides, so I'm just like, okay, I, I I gotta find that one for you. Yeah, send it over when you find it. There's yeah. there's always more to the story, right? You gotta look at how the study was actually performed than just yeah, that's what, what they're saying. I was looking at it. I, I find with these like when they try to say oh high fat diets, they usually like first of all, it's not a real ketogenic diet. It's not even a dietary ketogenic diet. They're giving them like processed seed oils, which I think are just like probably even worse than um carb like carbohydrates or too much carbohydrates i'd say is the processed seed oils just because people use them more right like they they cook with it so it's kind of like yeah yeah Um, i agree that's that's a good point to bring up uh where your fat 
your fat sources really matters too. Um, right. These processed seed oils, I mean, your, your body incorporates them into your cell membranes and that just causes inflammation and cellular dysfunction for, for months instead of just, you know, someone maybe eating too much sugar and then they can do things to like minimize the negative effects from that, right? You could go do some exercise and try to decrease your blood sugar. You right. know, your body's not really using it as a building block, unlike these fat molecules. So well, that's it. That's I think Ben, ben, ben Greenfield ben said something about that. Like he said, if I'm going to cheat, I'd rather cheat with like a sugary thing because then I can just use it. Where it's like, and I know for me, man, like during Christmas time, like I go ham on the cookies. Like I think this year I might have like one, I think on New Year's Day, I had like 12 cookies. I was just like, and, but here's the thing. I did feel the effects the next day. But like, like, let's say if I eat like kale or I eat like sweet potatoes or I eat too much like uh, lectin rich carbs or anything like that, bread, like I'll have like digestion problems, stomach aches, stuff like that, right? But when I eat, when I eat like just the high sugary like cookies and stuff like that, dude, I got a cold. Like that was how I reacted. Like I got a cold the next day. Yeah. Like it was so weird, man. It's just like, I don't know, man. That's yeah, crazy. I mean, it, sugar definitely. Uh will you know cause a little increase in inflammation and decrease your immune system function a little bit but yeah. its effects a lot of people would argue its effects are shorter lasting than consuming these yeah. rancid you know polyunsaturated fatty acids from all these seed oils and vegetable oils right it's it's fascinating um okay actually i want to talk to you about uh, something i saw on your thing in a minute um, i saw it on your Instagram about cellular detox which i've never heard about but before that I just want to ask you like a question, dude. What is the deal with so many chiropractors getting into the ketogenic diet? I mean, you got Dr. Berg, who's a chiropractor. You got Darren Schmidt, I think is also a chiropractor, right? Like, what's the deal with that, man? Like, I, I never know what the deal is. It's true. There are a lot of chiropractors interested in the ketogenic diet. And I guess it just comes from our mentality like our philosophy that you know the body is intelligent and has all this like wisdom within it to function properly and when it's at a natural state when it's in homeostasis it's functioning well so a lot of chiropractors look at nutrition as being a part of this you know awesome. keeping, keeping us in balance right and i guess uh after they do their own research and come through their own journeys they come to this conclusion that a high fat diet or including healthy fats or yeah. being being at least in times in a state of ketosis is is natural and beneficial and i think that's um, important man like yeah i don't like through everything i've been through with my like health journey and even now that i'm going more carnivore-ish and re-adding plants that i like mostly just because i was getting bored to be honest like i could continue eating like no scale carnivore be nutritionally okay but i was just kind of like you know man like i want to i want to try to add more stuff have a little more variety whatever but what i've noticed is man yeah everyone's different but at the end of the day i think paleo keto and then carnivore really got us remembering i guess you could say or knowing that animal foods are the most nutrient dense and fat and animal fats and fats in general are a better energy source and it's more sustainable energy source and that we don't really need carbohydrates and a lot of these plants and carbohydrates 
can be really inflammatory. I find that it's fascinating. But here, I'll ask you this, and then we'll talk about cellular detox. What do you, I actually think after this whole coronavirus crisis that we may see, like carnivore diet might be the last diet we hear about ever again. And I think moving forward, I hope that in general, the understanding of nutrition will be like, you need your healthy fats. It's really good to be in ketosis. Fasting intermittently or time-restricted feeding is good for you. But restricting yourselves of any foods really, like to the max, like I, 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 I think the fat diets are going to die after this matter. And I kind of think that's a good thing overall. Like, I don't know what you think of that. But. Yeah. I think there's definitely a movement towards focusing on nutrient density, right? Which yeah. is when you, when you really look at it, you look at these comparisons of foods and the nutrients they contain. I mean, there's no question that foods like liver and egg yolks and grass fed beef and salmon are just high in, you know, all the nutrients we need for to function optimally. Um, totally. And then also, like you said, I think there's more of a push to, not be so strict in a diet, but to focus on nutrient density and to be aware of food triggers in your diet, right? So yeah. there's a big uh, issue right now with people reacting to certain foods. And I think that's where, you know, the spectrum of plant toxicity and yeah. finding out what your specific, you know, what your body reacts to is so important because that's mm -hmm. what's going to really help people get to the next level of feeling, feeling better. That's still like, even though I, I've been carnivore, carnivorous for over a year now, that still trips me out. That plants could not be good for you. Like that just still, it's like, what? Like I, to this day, like I'll tell people like, yeah, I'm not, I can't eat kale, broccoli, and like pretty much all the greens, you know, like, but you need the greens. Those are the healthiest veggies. I'm like, not for me. Like I can't eat that stuff, but like, yeah, it's fascinating. Okay. So let's, um, let's talk about this. So you posted on Instagram a quote from, or a book, I guess, or you posted the actual cover of the book about cellular detox. Now, when people think detox, they think, you know, uh, juice cleanses, or if you want to go really crazy, like the, uh, the vegans will drink their own pee. Uh, <laughs> what is cellular detox? Uh, and I guess you could talk about the book that I guess that came from. Sure. Yeah. So um, true cellular detox is a program designed by Dr. Dan Pompa, who is a chiropractor and is interested no in and ketosis. I love it. <laughs> um, and he found out through his own journey of dealing with heavy metal toxicity that to really feel better, you have to get down to the cellular level and remove toxins that are stored in your cells. You know, you can't just try to deal with the downstream effects of it. And, you know, people try doing juice cleanses or coffee enemas, but they're not really removing the toxins from the source, which is embedded in your cells and your tissues. So, um, yeah, so he discovered that using uh, fasting and accessing your fat stores, you know, for fuel, being able to be in a state of ketosis and fasting allows your body to access the fat stores. But the problem with that is that then these toxins can be liberated and mm -hmm. circulate throughout your body and cause problems, right? So um, 
He found these supplements that help bind to the toxins, special binders that are strong enough to grab onto heavy metals and help you excrete them out of your body and completely eliminate them. So I uh, personally have dealt with heavy metal toxicity. And um, like I said, I had some bad joint pain and some bad tingling in my legs, like nerve pain. Um, and I did a heavy metal chelation challenge test. And use, so using this chelating agent uh, in an IV form circulates in your body and gets into your tissues and can grab onto toxins and then you'll excrete them in the urine. And they found that I had high levels of some of these heavy metals, right? Wow. So then I, I went through this program, True Cellular Detox, and through using these special binders, these supplements, and, you know, being, doing some fasting, doing a little ketosis and accessing these toxins and eliminating them really helped me, helped my symptoms improve a ton. Yes. And, and a lot so of other people say the same. What you're saying, Matt, then, is that there is some truth to this 5 we cause the coronavirus conspiracy, right? <laughs> okay. Wait, um, what did you say? Oh, sorry. Um, I said, so what you're saying is there's some truth to this 5G might be causing people to get sick. I mean, look, I, I don't want to get into the conspiracy about that, but, like, I'll ask you this. Like, do you think non-ionized radiation is really that safe for us? Like, well... There's, there's a lot of more and more research coming out about this. I think yeah. that it's not, um, it's not great, not, <laughs> not understood very well by a lot of people and they don't want yeah. to talk about the impact on, you know, the yeah. human body of it, but there's more and more research. Like we were just reading, uh, Dr. Mercola's book, EMF, and there's yeah. definitely, it's definitely causing issues, you know, at a cellular level and affecting how our, our bodies function. It's, it's interesting to me. And like, I don't know enough about it. I mean, I, I found it funny that like people just heard 5G causing coronavirus and all of a sudden they're posting it on their social media. It's like, I saw so many videos where it's kind of like people are going up to people putting down the fiber optics and being like, you know, you're going to kill the entire world by doing that. It's kind of like, what? <laughs> um, so what, in this protocol, what do you have to do to go through like a complete cellular detox? Like what's the protocol for that? Yeah. So, um, for people who are interested, a good book that will like walk you through program is beyond fasting. It's the name of the book. Um, and it starts out with getting people, um, adapted to using fat for energy, right? So it just starts out with some diet changes, um, getting used to eating more fat and less carbs and, you know, short overnight fasts. And we'll walk you through being able to do longer fasts and being in ketosis. And then the program itself is three months. It's three phases. Um, the prep phase, the body phase, and the brain phase. And basically the prep phase is just opening up your detox pathways and getting your body ready to you know eliminate toxins and then the brain and the body phase are when you're really taking these binders to help get into your cells and eliminate the toxins and yeah that's that's uh that's really the goal right is getting into the cell and actually removing the toxins 
and that's, improving improving your health from that's that's awesome and I, i've been asking this question too well i asked this is my last guest because i feel like psychedelics have infiltrated like the health and wellness space so i don't know if you know anything about it do you have any thoughts on like the use of psychedelics and is it is it is it healthy for us like i don't know man like all my research i've done now is suggesting that like microdosing lsd or microdosing mushrooms might be a good idea but yeah so i'm, I'm not super well researched into it but i've definitely heard people in the health space talking about it and fascinating and it seems like there there could be a, a use for it right like people yeah. that that could benefit from it for sure i mean like again like i i, I gotta i have i've taken mushrooms once and it was not in a like with a scientific approach like it's like a while back but i think it's interesting man like i don't know but i feel like people like ben greenfield like you mentioned coffee enemas and i guess i'll ask you this before we wrap up but like when you you're, you're you guys call each you're the biohacking kairos now so what exactly does it mean to be a biohacker all right so good good question uh biohacking we we think of it as taking taking control of your environment and what you do to your body and being able to take control of your health through that right, right? so everything we eat how we exercise, the light we're exposed to, our emotions, you know, this all is impacting our health. So biohacking mm -hmm. is just trying to take some wisdom from our ancestors, you know, what they knew, and some wisdom from modern science and kind of combine them to optimize our brains and bodies and how they function. Yeah, I think that's very important. And I think, like, some people think biohacking, and it's all these, like, technological things you can put on, like, you see Ben Greenfield sometimes he's walking around. It looks like he's a robot, but like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I like that definition, man. I, I think that's really cool. Um, okay, so let's talk about carnivore diet a bit because you you actually just you read Paul's book, Carnivore Code. Yes, yeah, I, just, I just listened to the audio book. Yeah, and I didn't actually read it yet. <laughs> what did you think? Oh, it was great. I mean, he he did a fantastic job explaining. Um, plant toxins how they can affect us and then explaining the uh, unique nutrients found in meat and animal foods and why they're yeah. so critical to you know, optimal health and you know the human species and i mean it was great he, he did a good job just explaining it um and there's just just no doubt that these nutrient dense foods play such an important role in our body and how we feel and optimizing yeah. health and then, like we said, the, the plant toxins, it's going to be different for different people, but it's an important thing to be aware of. And there are definitely people that improve their health a ton by avoiding certain, certain plant foods. Yeah. Like, I know for me, man, like, I, I'm going to try again this week, but I'm not sure about squash yet. Like, I feel like it's getting me a little bloated and gassy, but I'm not sure if that's just because I'm eating more, right? Because I'm trying to gain weight. So we'll see. But like, it's interesting, man. Like, um, so yeah, I guess you're you're more like keto, but oh, um, okay, just switch the camera for whatever reason. But you're more keto, but like, um, when it comes to your diet, like, what what? How do you guys like? How do you eat? More? Do you eat a lot of meat? Do you eat like more 
like plants? Like, uh, what's your what's your diet like? Um, we've definitely been eating more meat recently. You know, we're fortunate enough that we can get you know white oak pastures, grass yeah. fed, grass finished steaks. You know, and go to our local farmers market and get high quality yeah. meat. Um, but we've definitely been feeling good eating more you know, beef, liver, trying to incorporate some, some organs and yeah. uh, fish and even a little bit of raw dairy. So we started having some raw, yeah. raw goat milk cheese and have been feeling really good with that. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. I find, man, and I don't know what this is. I find for me, like the raw dairy is really the only thing I can handle or it has to be like, like I actually just got like an organic milk. It's not raw, but it's like organic. I don't think it's like, it's pretty like wholesome, I guess you could say. And I always had huge problems with drinking milk. Like when I was suffering from Crohn's as a kid, like one glass of milk and I'm, I'm done for like the day, right? So yeah, I, I do feel like raw dairy is some of like the healthiest foods you can eat, man. And unfortunately, just so many people can't handle it, but that's cool. Um, yeah, yeah, man, so, we, so I guess we'll- so- we also include, you know, squash and uh, some berries to, you know, for variety and to switch it up. We think right. it's good. Also, like from a from an ancestral perspective, you know, our, our ancestors would have from time to time had access to some of these carb foods, root vegetables. Right. And um, we think it's good to cycle in and out of ketosis and have metabolic yeah. flexibility. So some people do that just by having you know higher levels of protein on certain days and that will you know cause a little bit more of an insulin release and help you help remind the body that it's not starving because yeah if if your insulin levels drop too low for too long your body will actually start holding on to fat and making glucose from protein in your body and you don't want that to happen um so periods of you know eating a little bit more protein or carbs is an important signal to your body that it's not starving. It doesn't have to prepare for a possible famine. And that kind of helps you boost this fat burning and just have more energy and generally feel, feel better. And it it just makes sense. And, you know, we feel like you're doing that. Uh, That's, that's so fascinating. Matt. Okay. So this is the last question. We're going to have to have you back on because I feel we could, we could talk about so many other things. Um, Like, like you mentioned light and that's something I'm looking more into. Um, you know, uh, we didn't even get to talk about how comorbidities of coronavirus and metabolic dysfunction, but there's so much we can talk about. Sorry. Um, but my last question, and let's see if I can explain this well. Um, I'm getting better at it. So my podcast is called the Health and Swell Podcast. And that's like my entire breath. The reason why it's called Health and Swell is because before I had my experience with the brain condition, before I got into health and nutrition, I was like just that guy that, you know, be at the student bar all the time, partying all the time. And that's still like my personality. Like I'm very outgoing and stuff like that. So that's kind of like, like I'm the guy that will talk, like just as we spoke about like insulin resistance and cellular detox and all these things and be this big nerd about health. But I'm still that guy that like, you, you can meet me at the bar and I'll just be there like having a good time. Like I don't drink very much at all anymore, but, Anyway, my question is, what is your definition of a swell life, like you personally, if that makes sense? Yeah, it makes sense. So let's see. Um, I think that a swell life would be one that's full of purpose, 
right? I feel like people have their most energy and feel their best when they're, you know, living their purpose and feel like they have a role in, in the world. And for some people that's, you know, just loving their family and raising healthy kids. For some people that's being a doctor and impacting the lives of, you know, their patients. And personally, you know, it's important to me to have a healthy family and have a positive impact on my patients. And Anna's saying, loving my fiance, that's a swell oh, one. And I, yeah. I agree with that because, you know, we have, we have a pretty great life and we enjoy, you know, the journey, right? We enjoy being in school, learning all we do and just look forward to having a positive impact on people. I don't know if you remember this, but I think the first moment I met you guys, which was, I think you guys were walking at White Oak Jella and I saw you. And I think I said like, wow, you guys like exude this like love for each other or some, I said something like that. And it's true, man. Like, I think you two are, uh, are special, man. And Thank you. Yeah, we appreciated we, that a lot. You, it was a very kind, very kind compliment. Yeah, yeah, man. So Matt, thanks so much for coming on. We'll, we'll definitely have you on again soon. And, um, Hopefully this coronavirus crisis will allow travel again so we can hang out like in New York or you guys are in New York, right? Like New uh, York, we're in Georgia, Georgia right now. Oh, right, right. You're in Georgia for school. Yeah, I remember. Cool. Yep. Oh, yeah, we're definitely going to hang out. We could do a full-length podcast, like three hours or something, you know, we'll just hang out. It'll be fun. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll definitely get together. We'll do, do another podcast. Yeah, man. All right. Well, stay safe, guys, and we'll talk soon. You too. Thank you. Peace, man. Have a good one. Peace. Later. Well, there you go. Fat is not your enemy. It's your friend. So nutrient-dense too, guys. Eating high-quality animal foods, getting in that high-quality fat is so crucial for a good diet. I mean, like we were talking about in this episode, it even allows you to eat more, it seems. Like, this whole idea of calories in, calories out probably isn't the be-all, end-all of weight loss. And although the industry is still kind of fixated on that... Um, I think there's a lot more to be said about that. So I'm really cool that Matt shares that opinion with me and some really cool information that he gave us. And yeah, and this other detox thing, I mean, something I definitely want to try out. So that's really, really, really cool. I had a great time talking about uh, all this stuff with Matt. You know, I'm such a nerd when it comes to health and nutrition. And I hope you guys learned a lot from this episode. If you want to support this podcast, go to www.patreon.com forward slash health and swell and go follow me on my Instagram and TikTok at health and swell. We're changing the world one episode at a time, guys. Stay swell.